Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kike. Hello, Jamie Van Kike here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Christy Villasenor. Christy is a certified life and business coach living in Los Angeles, California. She helps female entrepreneurs scale to be highly profitable business owners by harnessing their unique energy flow so they can make more money while working less. In this conversation, Christy has so much valuable information to share with you. We talk about everything from why you need to enter every opportunity from an I don't know everything perspective, because let's be honest, we don't know everything when we enter new opportunities, to why you want to create an environment where your team members want to leave your company better than when they started, and how to set boundaries with your team members so you can scale your business properly and get the results you're looking for when you add members to your team. So let's jump right into the conversation with Christy. Thank you so much, Christy, for joining us today. Let's start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your business. Well, thank you for having me here. Um, as I already mentioned, my name is Christy Villasenor. I am a certified life and business coach. It's actually a recent pivot. I was doing a lot of admin and managerial work, both freelancing and in you know the normal standard job. And that's kind of where I landed right now because of all of my experiences culminated into this is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and I mainly serve female entrepreneurs or female small business owners. That's great. Very much a business that's needed, helping people through the entrepreneurship journey. There's so many different moving parts and a lot of us need someone that's going to help us get to success because we don't know how to do it all ourselves. Exactly. Yes. I, I always think it's one of those things like from an outsider's perspective, running a business seems easy because we've all worked in businesses and then you get in there and you're like, oh, I didn't know I had to do that or that or now I'm 100% responsible for this. And I feel like it also ties to a lot of things about leadership is most people think leadership is easy when you're the employee. And then when you're put on the other side of that relationship, it's oh, wow, there's a lot of things going on here that I wasn't prepared for. So, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say exactly on that. Um, some people get into it and, you know, they do their zone of genius, but they don't realize they actually have to self-manage themselves. Yes. <laughs> and that gets a little tricky for a lot of people who uh, maybe, you know, don't know how to keep accountability. You know, they need to learn other methods to be accountable to their own business because they're doing what they're good at, but maybe this is what their weak point is, is accountability. <laughs> right. No, exactly. You know, you might have your clients that help impose deadlines on you. So you're getting that work done in a timely manner and when you're supposed to, but then there's everything else in your business that 
you have to hold yourself accountable for and responsible for. Like, I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to go and post on social media today. And next thing I know, three days have passed. And I'm like, yep, I didn't do that because I didn't have to report back to anybody that I did it. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody has that problem when they're just trying to start out and, you know, they're, they're actually also juggling all the things. Yes. Speaking of juggling all the things, when we were initially getting to know each other, you had mentioned how you quickly scaled to throughout different positions during your career, which then put you in leadership positions, which put you in leadership positions where you are now managing your peers. Yes. And this is something that sometimes happens to business owners because we either go into business with our friends or some of the first people we hire are our friends because they have a skill set that we need. But now we're in this different dynamic where you might still be friends outside of work, but inside of work, you're that boss employee or boss team member. So tell us a little bit about what you learned and how you were successful when you had to lead your peers. So I definitely had some times I tripped up. So my main fast way I jumped up when I was younger was I was hired as a student assistant in this, it was called Matter Patrol. And I jumped up basically four, three or four levels very quickly within two months that my peers were upset of me because one, I just started there. And then within like three months, I was over most of them. And so I learned a lot there quite a bit. One, a lot of them were my friends. So I had to learn very quickly those boundaries of like, this is work me, this is friend me, and we're going to have to separate that and, and we're going to have to navigate that, which is really hard when you're like 19, 20 years old <laughs> and right. none of that is working the way you want it to work. So I learned a lot there, but also right after I left, I actually, um, within like 10 days of leaving my college job, I got a office manager position, which again, I had people that were there obviously for a longer time than me. And I ended up there as their manager and I was actually younger than most of them as well. So how did that go for you? Especially if they were older than you, were they of different generations, which then adds a completely different mix to the manager relationship? Exactly. So I always just basically was aware of that, that, you know, one, I don't know everything. I always come in, I don't know everything, and I'm going to learn even if they're technically like on the hierarchy lower than me. I always learned everything from the bottom up so I can be a more effective manager. And I think that's one of the best ways to do it, uh, not just because I did it, but also being an employee. I respect my managers more when they understand, you know, the, the grunt work, <laughs> so to speak, because you see all of the holes in the process and you can make things better for people who you know, are getting paid the least amount to the people above you as well. You can see all of that because you have this bird eye view of the organization or company. Yes. I remember my very first management position. It was actually a team that I went from being on to then leading. After a few years being in that role, I switched to a different management role within the company. The team that I was then managing did roughly the same work as the team I was managing before, but in a completely different way. And I had to go into some of those first few meetings and be like, listen, I know the end result that you produce, but I have no idea how you get there. And I want you guys to teach me. I want you to show me. And I understand that you are going to be more of a knowledge expert in your day to day than I will ever be because you do it and I've never done it before, but you're going to help me learn how to best lead you guys and get us to our goals and everything else we have to do. And I feel like that was definitely 
a very good way to kind of start that relationship to be like, I, I don't know what you do. Show me, show me and you be the leader in your role and then I'll help lead you to the next level. Yes, exactly. Because it does, for me, it does one of two things. One, you become that more observant manager style in the beginning, which you really need because with your experiences, you can then improve upon that if it needs to be improved, does not always. And then you also create that very strong relationship with the people that you have to manage because they know that you hear them, that you hear their feedback, you hear what they know, you hear their expertise, and they just feel heard, which is also very important. Right. Yeah. So thinking of back through your time when you were an employee, so even in these positions, when you had someone above you, can you give us some examples of things that happened throughout that career that turned you into a better business owner? Well, definitely um, going back to that foundational job I basically had as a student, even though I was leading the student division because I was a student, I couldn't technically be a supervisor. I couldn't do any write-ups or anything like that. So I had a captain over me and I learned a lot from him because whenever there was something hard that I needed to do, I always felt like he had an open door policy that I can go and ask him and I can always go there and ask him, what do I need to do here? I'm not really sure about this. I have these options. Which one is you know, better for the direction that we need to go overall as a group? And I find that that was the quality I really liked when I worked with somebody over me, having kind of that open door policy so we can have conversations because I'm the type of person personally that I like improving anything, even if I am just, you know, I have no managerial title at all. I have no supervisory. I will always want to improve something. And I think it's important to, as I mentioned before, have somebody hear you, even if it's get tossed out because maybe you don't have a piece of knowledge, like they don't have the budget for it, but at least they hear you. So I think that's where I learned most of that is I kind of copied that. I'm like, okay, I like this. So I'm going to do this as well. Right. Yeah. I think it's very important when you said that they, they hear you, you might not have all the information that you need, but they still hear your suggestion and hopefully they're telling you why your idea won't work if they do have additional information that you don't have. Yes. And then I actually mimic that as well. So if anybody came up to me, I would explain to them, you know, our policy is this because we actually do billing in this way. I know you don't understand the billing. You don't need to understand the billing. But if you want to, I will sit here and explain it to you. And sometimes they'll take my offer on it and I'll explain it to them. Then they understand and they could come up with an idea that would fit if they choose to. Yes. I I love that. It's definitely been some of the ways I've had my most successful teams is take their ideas and help them understand what works with with it, what doesn't work with it. And then you can help come up with new and better ideas. My best manager that I ever had, we would have conversations like that all the time. I didn't have all the information that she had. She would then enlighten me and tell me, it's like, oh, that's a great idea, but there's actually this going on with the company, so it wouldn't work. And then we could collaborate and come up with something better. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the not so great things of maybe being an employee, because as business owners, we have to remember that when we start hiring a team, there's people on the other side of our decisions. And we're not always going to be perfect, but we can strive to learn more and become better, better leaders. So is there anything that happens during your time of being an employee that just really wasn't so great? And now you take that as lessons learned for as you're growing your team? Well, I actually have a pretty interesting story. Um, There was a time where I was a manager and the director 
she left for a while for a leave. And then when she came back, I'm not, I'm honestly not sure what happened, but I ended up firing anywhere between 10 to 15 people. And then I was fired. Oh, wow. (laughs) So it was just a big shakeup. That's what it was. And I don't exactly know why I was on the list, but you know, they were, she, she essentially fired everybody. And what I learned from that is, is it honestly back to the hearing, like she, she didn't want to hear, you know, the changes that weren't exactly working. For example, we had two um, schedulers that couldn't, like, they felt like they were going to break. And I tried so much to protect them and help them as much as I could. Um, but we were getting too many clients and not enough workers. And then now you're firing all the workers. So now we have even more clients for these schedulers to try to figure out how to get all of their services because they already paid for them. (laughs) Right. So it's kind of not seeing the whole picture and seeing how, even if they just fired like a few people that made a huge impact on the schedulers to the point that I think one kept getting sick because she was so stressed out. Um, So it's kind of those decisions, obviously on the big scale, on the smaller scale, I'm sure most of us hate micromanaging. (laughs) We hate doing it, I would say. I'm sure. I hate doing it when I had to before because I had to. Um, But we also hate being micromanaged. Um, Because honestly, if you don't let somebody try to stand in their own power um, as an employee, they're not going to grow and they're not going to be that strong employee that you actually may need. You just kind of spend all of your energy nitpicking at things that honestly probably won't matter. Right. No, exactly. Micromanaging is one of the things that I talk about a lot because I actually say is people don't like being micromanaged. Managers don't actually like having to micromanage because Mm -hmm. it takes up so much of their time, but they end up creating this entire cycle where you get stuck having to micromanage if you start micromanaging because your team members then become dependent on you because they say, I'm not going to move forward with anything because she's just going to come back and correct me, or she's going to get mad because I moved forward without her approval. So they wait for you and they Mm -hmm. ask you questions that they should be able to answer on their own because you've kind of taught them that that's the norm, that they can't move forward without you. So then you start to believe that they can't move forward without you. They believe that they shouldn't move forward without you. And it just creates this never ending cycle. So nobody likes it, but it's so Mm -hmm. easy to get sucked into that cycle. Yeah. And some people think it's a way to get some employees to like shape up. I was in that. (laughs) Someone, uh, my boss above me told me basically to essentially micromanage the person below me. And I told every time I was fighting it every time I tried my hardest. (laughs) Um, But you know, it, it literally did it turned into a vicious cycle of I look back at that time and we, we joked, we joked about it after it all was said and done because he finally said he, he shouldn't have had me do that. But um, I had so much time wasted creating like this to-do list for this person to do when I could have just either A, did it myself, honestly, a lot of it was very quickly to do things or B, given it to someone else that I didn't have to micromanage. That was just plainly it. I could have grown our, you know, um, our, the matter patrol, it was actually that one. I could have grown that much more. I could have got grants. I could have done all this in the time that I wasted, which is very unfortunate. So it is a vicious cycle because you're using your time, your energy, and so much other resources you don't even think about when you're micromanaging someone. And you also, you know, they, like, they don't get to grow. They don't get to stand in their own power. And as you said, they lose the ability to do certain things because they're, they basically have the, what's the point question in their head. Oh yeah. And once they start feeling that way, chances are they're going to leave as soon as something better comes around. Yep. 
Exactly. And then you're stuck refilling that position and retraining from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. But speaking of time, I think that leads us right into really one of the things you like helping business owners with today. So let's talk all about productivity and time management and how as business owners, especially those that are going to hire a team, can become better at managing our time and our team members' time. Right. Uh, And I love this topic. Um, I will talk about it literally all day long. But for me, it's very interesting because it to get a true productivity flow, you need to fully understand yourself. So you can actually come from that place of this, what's, this is what works for me. So for example, um, if you're an early person, you do your stuff in the morning. If you're a night person, you do your stuff in the evening and you are just 10 times better that way. I and- love that you said that because I so many <laughs> things that I read, they're like, the best way to be a six-figure, seven-figure business owner is to get up at 4 a.m. And I sit there, I'm like, No, no, (laughs) like flat out. No, I would so much rather stay up to three, four in the morning getting work done than set an alarm before the sun gets up. I'm like, cause it's just not me. I've always been so productive in the evening. I'm like, once the sun goes down and the house is quiet, I can get out so much work, but expect me to do it early in the morning never going to happen. I'm going to hate it. So thank you for saying work at the time that's best for you and not get up early. (laughs) Yes. Well, I actually made the the joke the other day. I'm like, yeah, I hit the 5 a.m. club. I stayed up until 5 a.m. because I was working (laughs) on something and I was completely awake. And that's the time that I honestly work best is when I do more of an overnighter. That's just my thing. And there's some people who actually need naps. So they're not a morning person or an evening person. They're a nap person. So if you need to take a nap, go figure out how to take a nap and come back. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but going back to how, also, you know, um, how that affects productivity, you being a manager, also thinking about how to do productivity within your business is if you're not doing something, for example, in your zone of genius, if people don't know about that, it means your strong point, essentially, you're going to be using more energy, more time, losing productivity and doing something that someone could probably do 10 times faster. Yes. And better. <laughs> yes. No, definitely. Uh, one of the reasons that I walk through business owners that's a sign you need to hire is for knowledge. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. yes, you might have all the time, but if you don't have the knowledge or the skill set to do something, sometimes you're better off hiring that expert and paying for someone else's time than using your own time to learn it, perfect it, execute it, and and all that stuff. I'm like, just hire someone who can come in, do it, get it done with, and then move on. <laughs> Exactly. Because it will save you a lot of time. <laughs> Literally, it would save you a lot of time if you just did that. Yes. And especially if it's something that you don't have to do over and over again. You know, if like, who really needs to learn how to build their own website if they're never going to go in and touch the back end again? You know, mm-hmm. that's a very good example of like hiring someone who's an expert because it's done, it looks gorgeous. You don't have to touch it again. And besides maybe some like little maintenance here or there. Yeah, exactly. And it could be things even like copywriting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, exactly. I totally agree with that. So do you have any tips on how people can really find out like what they should be delegating? Yeah, so the best ways to do that is write down everything you do day to day. And you can either, there's different ways to do this, but I like having people score it. Of Do they like doing it or do they not like doing it? <laughs> If they don't like doing it and they're not good at it, it's basically like just get get rid of it 
give it to someone else. Does it actually need to be done? This is a problem we have lately. I've noticed people have, have like to-do lists and don't get me wrong. I love to-do lists, but I never finish my entire to-do list because sometimes I just need to get it out of my head. So you also have to figure out, is this essential to my business? If it's not, just remove it completely. If it is, but you are not great at it or you don't like doing it, kind of like, does it spark joy? Give it to someone else, you know, hire out, find someone who can do it. Um, but anything that you're really good at that's also essential to your business, those are the things you should be focusing on. Um, there's this 80-20 rule that 80% of your results come from 20% of your tasks. So those are the tasks you need to be working on if it's essential for you to work on them. Right. So what about tips for somebody who is there and saying, okay, I have these things I hate doing, but they're essential for my business, mm -hmm. but it's not cost effective for me to hire those out yet. Cause maybe they're hiring. It's more important to hire someone else with a different zone of genius first, or they're just at that point where now they're just really starting to think about who they should be adding to their team, but they can't add that person yet. But these tasks still need to be done. Any tips on how to motivate yourself or encourage yourself to get them done? Well, one, always keep in mind that if they're essential and you need to do it, that's one thing. But while you're doing it, you can actually prepare for the next person. If it's something that falls into this category. For example, if you think you might hire a VA to do repeating tasks that you know are essential, but you don't need to be doing, you can actually start creating a, like a training library in any project management software, Trello, Asana, anywhere. And you could record yourself doing it because you have to do it. That's, you know, the last few times until you figure out, okay, this is a good one. And then you can hire out and they just have all the videos you need to watch. You don't really need to jump on a call with them if you don't have to. Everything's there for them to watch, them to read, anything like that. So use that time to start building that library with your wish list of people you're going to eventually hire. Yes, I love that. Recently, I had on... Um, Amanda Evans of Tight Ship Bookkeeping, I think it was episode 11, that she was talking to us about how she built her team and grew her team. And she knew from day one that she was hiring employees to help her with her business. It was mm -hmm. on her goal path. And so she started very early in her business recording everything. And she said she felt silly when she was doing it because she'd be in an office by herself or a company of one and just like hitting record and recording through everything that she was doing and talking through every step. But she knew she was eventually going to be hiring people to take over those tasks. And she didn't want to feel rushed once that time came because she also knew once that time came, it was because she was going to have so much work on her plate that mm -hmm. she needed to get this work off of her plate due to time. So by pre-recording those videos before she needed to hire, she had them all ready by the time that her employee started. So she could just hand off that training and be, be ready. And now she still does that today with anything that she's like, okay, in the future, I'm going to hand this off. She starts mm -hmm. recording a video, a training video, like months before she ever even thinks about, okay, it's time to hire for this position. Yeah. It's great to have training videos, um, standard operating procedures, anything that you can get your brain on paper or digitally if you want to. So it doesn't take up space in your head that you're going to have to be able to train somebody on this as well. You can just pop in a video and you're good to go. And this also helps if you get a team that's also growing because two things there, one, you have videos for anybody who's going to handle that, but two, they can be cross-trained. And to me, cross-training is very important if somebody gets sick or leaves or something. Yes. Um, 
So you would always have those resources there. Yeah, I recently heard this concept of, it was in an audiobook that I was listening to called uh, Reverse Golden Handcuffs. And we, you know, people have heard about golden handcuffs before. So pretty much in people that are in critical positions, like the company mm-hmm. incentivizes them to stay because, you know, there's reasons. They're, someone's going to retire and they know this person is going to look really, it's, the company's going to look really good if this person's still on their team. So they want that person to stay through the transaction or stuff like that. So they mm-hmm. give people like these bonuses or stuff like that, that they only get if they stay through a certain period of time. And the longer they stay, sometimes that bonus bucket gets bigger and bigger and bigger. With reverse golden handcuffs, it's you have to keep your staff, no matter how much you might not like them or what whether they fit with the company where it's going, because they hold all the knowledge. And all of a sudden, if you didn't have that person, you're kind of screwed. Mm -hmm. So the concept of cross training and creating these videos so anybody on your team could learn that task, pick it up, do it, means that you can also get the best people for your team. And if you find out that someone isn't working out or they're moving and the position they're in can't be done remotely. So you need to let that person go or let that person quit. You then have, you still have the knowledge within your business for someone else to come in and pick up that task and do it properly. Right. And what I've actually done in most of the jobs that I've had is one, I would create a a training library, mostly for me. If I, you know, sometimes you have a moment that you forget how to do something so you can go back and review it. Um, But I've also made training manuals when I had that, college job, but also the one after that, I always had like a, a, a document that either I made or maybe I'm updating most of the time I made it of a training manual of everything I have to do in my position. So if I you know either have to leave or something happens or I'm sick, I don't care if somebody else does it. Some, it needs to be done. Um, I had this interesting conversation with one of my supervisors a few years ago, and she was wondering why I do things like that. Because, you know, it make, make, she said something about, it'll make it easier for them to fire you if somebody else can do your job. I'm like, that's not the point here. Right. <laughs> the, point, the point is, so you can still know what to do if I'm not here. <laughs> if, I'm sure I'm not going to get fired for that reason. <laughs> um, so I've always done that. Even if I had to leave a job and I either give a two weeks notice or just one job, I gave a two months notice because I felt really bad. I created a training library for them before I left so they can just hire somebody and there you go. Everything's there. They're good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Helping people out, helping companies out, even if it's because you're leaving, it's always a good thing to do. <laughs> so <laughs> you create that environment, you know, for the us business owners, create that environment where people care about your business that much that they want to help you create things and put leave you in a better place, even though they're leaving. Even your mm-hmm. top employees, could surprise you and turn in their notice because of things that are out of your control. So having those positive environments where they want to see you survive and thrive and are going to help you train that next person is great. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of also looking out for the next person. You don't yeah. make them recreate the wheel. They can just be thankful something is there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So let's talk about boundaries. So as business okay. owners, when you're going to hire some of your first team members, you're handing over stuff that you've been doing since that task started in your business. And now you have to trust somebody else. So we kind of talked a little bit about micromanaging. So, but how do you set, how do you set those proper boundaries within your business? Whether it's even, even going back to the peer and um, the employee boss relationships or anything with allowing people to fully take over tasks. What are your tips on boundaries? So boundaries in, in respects to that topic, I would say 
get clear on how you want them to do it, but most importantly, get clear on what the end result is, because in my mind, that is the most important. We all do things slightly differently. For example, we will all open up our windows in our computer differently, but the end result is what matters. So get an idea of how you want it to be done. That could be, you know, the standard operating procedure or the training manual you have, but either have a conversation or have it like highlighted, this is the end goal for this task. So if they create a different way to do it, that's actually more efficient than you, because maybe that's why you actually hired them for, then they can actually still get it done, but in a more efficient way. So it's a, it's kind of a little bit between boundaries and delegating with grace. Right. So you just have to trust the people that you hired. If obviously they're not doing what they're not even the end goal, then you're going to have a conversation on that. And don't be afraid to have conversations. Not all conversations are negative. Sometimes it's just, let's get back on the same train, on the same train of thought, on the same page. And if you have those touch points more often throughout the way, even if they're doing everything correctly, you will have a stronger relationship instead of just kind of only popping in when they do something quote unquote wrong, because that will not land well for most people. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can share a real quick example of something like that. So when I was back in corporate, 90 plus percent of my team members were in the same office as me, but I would occasionally have a few remote team members. And the one team member I had, almost every one of our conversations were negative because Mm -hmm. I wasn't making the effort as a manager to reach out to her except when something went wrong. And so what happens, the relationship started to go negative and started going on this downward, downward spiral because all she was getting was negativity from her boss. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it until we were in a meeting. Um, It was me, her, and my boss. And my boss candidly asked her about the relationship and how everything was going. And she, I'm so thankful she was brave enough to say, Jamie only talks to me when things are going wrong. I don't believe we have a good relationship. And it was just Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, you are 100% right. And then I started having to put an effort to turn that around. Even when I was talking to her about an issue that was going on, making it so that wasn't the whole point of the conversation. Making sure, okay, if we had a really tough week because she she was stuck in a role where if things were going wrong on the team, she was involved in it somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was, anytime that there was an issue going on, even if she had nothing to do with creating the issue, she was involved in the issue. So a lot of the times we were troubleshooting and we were fixing things. So it was like learning how to build that relationship with her outside of those conversations. And once that was brought to my attention that I was only talking to her when it was negative uh, and we, I was able to put focus into bringing positivity into the relationship, the entire relationship changed. And she went from being an employee that was actually a stress point for me to being one of my top performers. And it's amazing how just treating someone slightly differently can make them blossom. Yes. I've, I've always loved that. I always, that's what I love doing with the, with my employees, even if it has nothing to do with the actual job. If I see something like they have a hobby or something they do on the side, I love talking to them about it because that will get them to open up more and then they will actually be more loyal to business things. But you see them kind of blossom in both because they're getting that, you know, positive feedback either for business things or for their hobbies. 
they just feel like a human, <laughs> like you're talking to them. Yes. Um, and it's very important to have those touch points along the way. There are some employees maybe starting out or maybe in the middle or something that they start doing, again, everything quote unquote wrong in your eyes, but to kind of also see what's going on that's affecting them that may be contributing to that. Cause that also is something that could happen. Right. Some people just forget that they have a life outside of work. Sometimes we do it as managers as well. We'll bring in our baggage, even though we try not to, but sometimes employees do that as well too. Sometimes stopping and asking them if everything's okay can actually change that look on the whole situation. Yeah, no, exactly. People, even though we spend a lot of time at work, people are people, everything impacts them. And, you know, it's just one of those things you have to remember that they're not just your employee. So mm-hmm. I think one of the things we have trouble with as small business owners is because we don't have managers of our own and because we don't have other people who might be brave enough to step up and say, you're not, you're doing something that maybe you shouldn't be doing. We end up in this, um, we end up having very limited perspectives of like ourselves because we're not getting that other feedback that is really valuable and help us learn. But Mm -hmm. you have, I believe, a business personality assessment that really helps people learn some of their managerial types and other things about them so they can become a more effective worker and leader and team player. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us all about this workbook, how, or this assessment and everything, how it really helps people and how they can get their hands on it? Sure. So the business personality assessment is a workbook. It has, you know, worksheets in there. It's, you know, if you already know some things like your Myers-Briggs, you can pop it in there. And at the very end of it, you start seeing this kind of whole picture of yourself. I have the managerial styles. I even have the love languages. And a lot of people don't realize they also have apology languages, which is very important to know either giving or receiving an apology of maybe why it didn't land with you well. It's because it's not your apology language, but you still need to understand, you know, that it was an apology. And so you can go through all of it and learn a lot about yourself, even if you need a different networking strategy, because you're an introvert, I'm an introvert, I totally get that. And at the very end of it, if, you know, you go through all of this, we actually hop on a call because just having the data alone is, won't help that many people. There's so many people who love data and can just go ham on it. But we actually put the picture together so you can see what type of teammates would be great for you as a counterpart and also someone who is going to be on your same level with with things that you can actually catch your blind spots. Oh, I love it. I can honestly say I've never heard of the apology language before. So that's something I'm going to have to go and do a little research on. Do you have stuff on your website about the apology language? No, it's actually on um, the Love Languages website. Okay. There's a quiz for that too. And it's super interesting that when I first took it, there were so many times I remembered when somebody apologized to me. I'm like, oh, that's why that didn't work on me. Yes. <laughs> and it's super interesting. But being aware that maybe that's not your style actually allows for easier different styles to come in. Because then you realize, oh, okay, if that's not sitting with me well, it's because it's missing this component that I crave with an apology, which is fine because that's not maybe how they apologize because people apologize typically the way they like to be apologized to. Right. Yeah, no. And I think learning that type of information about yourself and really looking into it helps you be really become a better leader because then you start to kind of pick up on those things and other people. 
And I even know some leaders that will have their team members do assessments like the Myers-Briggs or the Love Language or all those other ones because they want to know how how to interact with each individual person and how to pull out their strengths and and everything. So that that is great. Um, but yeah, with like with the apologies, seeing I don't know what my apology language is yet. I'll have to go and look that up. But with love languages, like to me, uh, like when we're recording this, we're recording it end of February. Valentine's Day has just passed, and everyone pretty much asks, like, "What do you guys do for Valentine's Day?" And I was like, "What do you What are you getting your when your husband gifts for Valentine's Day?" And I was just like, "Nothing." Because mm -hmm. gifts is not our love language. You know, we, like, we could really care less half the time about giving each other gifts, but we're quality time and, you know, other things with the, with our love languages that that's more important to us. Like, to me, I'm like, you pick me up like some little trinket or flowers on Valentine's Day, I could really care less. Are we going to spend one-on-one -on -one time together? That's what I care about. And, mm -hmm. and even knowing with your team members, like, which ones? are going to really thrive off of like words of affirmation. So going and telling them over and over again, like that they're doing a good job and, you know, great job on this report. And, you know, really using that language is going to go over so much better on them than someone else who, you know, words of affirmations at the bottom of their list. Right. So for example, if, you know, I know you can't do too much physical touch one when you're actually physically in front of each other, <laughs> but to maybe your remote workers, if they're, one is physical touch and it's pretty high, you can probably do a high five if you're in person or a handshake, or you can see what their second one is too. And if they like quality time, maybe you can spend a little coffee chat with them. Yes. Yep. No, exactly. I seeing um, quality times my top one I loved being able to get one-on-one -on -one time with my leadership you know, mm -hmm. and everything just being able to really have that time with them where we could get to know each other and learn each about each other just on an, even a deeper business level even if all we talked about was business like it was just what I wanted mm -hmm. exactly all right, so we're getting near the end. So I will drop the link in the show notes for the business personality assessment so everyone can go and check that out. But how else can people get in touch with you? Where is the best place for them to go? The best place where you can see my stories because I've been chatting, especially if you follow me in, I don't know, any time in the future, I'm actually coloring my hair today. So I do a little bit of my life and business at goodthingsindeed.com. Oh, sorry. At goodthingsindeed on Instagram. Um, my website is goodthingsindeed.com. All right. So everyone go over there and follow Christy so you can see all her stories. And of course, probably by the time this goes live, you might be on a on another uh, hair dyeing journey and everything. But, Probably. <laughs> but at least you can see everything that's going on and all the good stuff that she's doing in her business that will help you all as business owners. So one last question that I like to ask everybody is we've all had leaders and managers that really stood out to us. So think about the most impactful leader or manager you had. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as that great leader to you? Definitely um, the captain of the police station where I worked. He taught me so many things about being a manager, um, good and bad. <laughs> and the, the best thing he taught me, honestly, is just kind of, he's a very outgoing, talk to everybody type of person. And I feed on 
you know, that one-on-one as well. So that modeled it perfectly for me. And also he was just a great leader in general. Like if there was something going on, he would pretty much hit it heads up instead of letting it, you know, faster. So that is very important to me, you know, having that open door policy and making sure everything's going the right way as it needs to go. So I really appreciate that with him. Good. He does sound like a great leader. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Growing Your Team podcast, Christy. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Do you have questions about anything discussed in today's episode? Or do you have other questions related to hiring and managing your team? Then I invite you to join us over in the Growing Your Team Facebook community. The group is designed to provide you support as you grow and manage the team who will save you time and earn both you and your business more. So come on over and join us in the Growing Your Team Facebook group and let's grow you the team that you need and deserve. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.